Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Welcome, everyone, to another weekly debrief. Each week, Caitlin and I take on a case from our backlog of must-see films that either one of us or both of us have yet to see. In our debrief, we'll provide not only our opinion of the film, but we'll also discuss its significance and influence in both the film industry and society as a whole. Along the way, we'll also provide other fun trivia and insights on the film. Caitlin, what was our assignment this week? Well, as you know, Mother's Day has just passed, but I didn't want to miss an opportunity to talk all about my mother. Uh, no, I don't mean my own personal mother. Uh, sorry, Mom. Not, not doing that today. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the 1999 Spanish film All About My Mother from the renowned director Pedro Almodovar. And before we get into it, I do want to mention that the first part of our debrief will be spoiler-free as we talk about our overall thoughts on the film. But as we move into the classified part of the mission, there will be some spoilers on the story. Uh, and we'll give you a heads up when we get to that part. So like I said, it is uh, Mother's Day just passed, and so we thought that this was an appropriate film to talk about and this is a film that I haven't yet seen and Brian you haven't seen it either have you no but it was on my watch list recently I added not even knowing that we were doing it for an episode yeah do you have much experience with Pedro Amadovlar's films no I don't have much uh experience with any of his films I've seen like posters of some and I've heard some talk but uh not familiar with him so, is this your first film of his you've seen? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've seen uh, Bad Education and Parallel Mothers, like the two that I've seen prior to this. And, I mean, obviously he is a huge director. He's a, a Spanish director that has gotten a lot of acclaim and following here in the U.S. So, I think he's a, a good one to talk about. Yeah, most definitely. Now, in regards to this film... This was released in Spain, of course, in 1999, and then in the following month, it was his first movie to compete at the Cannes Film Festival, and there he won the Best Director Prize. And then it went on to premiere later in the U.S. It has a worldwide box office total of around $67 million. The film was a success both locally in Spain and also internationally. It won several Goya Awards, which is Spain's annual film awards. It won Best Actress for Celia Roth, Best Director for Almodovar, Best Editing, Best Film, Best Original Score, Best Sound. So a lot there, but then also abroad, it did win the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. It won the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film and the BAFTA Award for Best Film Not in English Language and also Best Direction for Pedro Almodovar. Also in 2018, the film was ranked to 32 in BBC's list of 100 greatest foreign language films. So it has gotten a lot of claim, like I said, both in Spain and abroad. Brian, was there anything else you found about the critical reception for this film? This has a 7.8 on IMDb with a 98% near 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics and a 93% for audience. And this is also on the 1001 movies to watch before you die. Okay. Do you know if there's any other Omadouvlar films in that list? Not that I know of, but like I said, I've seen at least like some posters of his film and I would suspect the skin I live in to be in there because I feel mm -hmm. like I've seen that poster a lot. Yeah, same. It This one, All About My Mother, it you know, there's not really consensus on what is his best film, but this is usually cited like in within the top three, usually. Yeah, that's what I was taking notice of during my research. 
So just to give you a little bit of information about what this film is actually about, the story here follows Manuela, a single mother who, after the loss of her son Esteban, makes her way to Barcelona, where she wishes to settle unfinished business with the father of her son. And along the way, she forms bonds with various women who help her during this transitional time in her life. Now, Brian, what did you think about this film overall? This was like watching three seasons of an ABC show smash into one movie. <laughs> Can you explain a little bit more? No. Uh, um, <laughs> no, like, so I remember my ex was really watching this show called The Fosters, and it was, it was pretty good from what I was seeing, but I could only watch so many episodes at once before I was just overwhelmed from the amount of drama that is in this, that was in that. And I kind of had the same thing with this as well. It's like every character has something really serious going on, but it's also, it's, it feels a bit melodramatic in how like exaggerated and how much of a coincidence it is that everybody has this going on. Like there's a lot of movie coincidence in this. And I, I found the first half to be really good, really emotional. Uh, I liked the, the lead a lot. Uh, Roth was great. But as the movie kept going, I felt like it was less discussing the themes and the issues that it brought up and was just kind of adding on to it. I didn't feel like there was as much development as there was just layering on that drama. And that's I, maybe that's a personal thing because it's hard to explain because it's like, well, you want characters with their own their own plots right yeah I do but this it started to pull me away like we'll talk about in spoilers but there's just one character and there's just so many coincidences is that it, it it pulled me out like it pulled me out of the reality like far away from it I know I was reading about Pedro and his films and he does break reality a little bit you know uh the French new wave does that quite a bit but this like I just I, I was I was just pulled away as the movie was going along. But I, I did like a lot of this movie. Uh, the colors were amazing. Like, they shocked me. Like, because at first it starts off, you don't notice it too much. And then one scene, they walk into a room and I was just like, my eyes, my eyes are so sharp. But they, they were, it was a fantastic movie just to see visually. The cinematography was great as well. There's a, a scene with somebody uh, who gets in a car accident. And the way that the camera tumbles was a great technical feat. And when reading about this film, I read about how Pedro does this kind of echoing in the film, like things are kind of rehearsed and then they play out in the movie. And I thought that was really good, just writing wise. He both directed and wrote this movie. So I thought that was really interesting. I give a lot of appreciation to that. So I was kind of split with this movie. Technically, it's great, but the story started to lose me as it went along. Uh, all of our films, they do often dip into melodrama. It's kind of just part of his style. But I don't agree with you that it was overly dramatic in the way that it would be like an ABC Family movie. I definitely did not see that at all. No, no, seasons. Three seasons, all in one. Yeah, I, I didn't think that this film was particularly packed, and I felt that the themes were present throughout the film. The initial, I guess, portion of this film before our main character goes to Barcelona, that was a little bit difficult for me at first when I was watching it. There was kind of a lot going on in that opening portion, and I I had trouble following, and it wasn't as interesting to me as later in the film, but I actually ended up going back and... Rewatching that opening portion because I wanted to see 
you know, what I was missing, I feel like it made more sense after I had watched the rest of the film and I was able to be a little bit more engaged in it um, because it was a little bit slower compared to other parts of the film for me. But I ended up really, really enjoying this and I kind of had to stop myself from just watching the whole movie all over again, even though I, I literally restarted it right after I had finished it. But I, I really enjoyed it that much. I thought it was that engaging and I was interested in these characters and I liked these characters. And so I really, really enjoyed this film. And I, I get anybody that really enjoy this, but just for, I don't know, maybe just for me, maybe for some other people, I, I, it wasn't working for me as it kept going. I was a little bit worried. So uh, like previous to this, I said I've seen Bad Education and Peril of Mothers, and I don't remember Bad Education very well. I think I liked it, but Parallel Mothers, I just, I did not like Parallel Mothers at all. And that was his, like, I think that's his most recent feature length film i know he's working on one with pedro pascal that's or was it pedro pascal i'm thinking it's pedro pascal that's a Um, short film wait is he the one doing that western yeah but it's a it's a short film yeah with ethan hawk and uh pedro pascal i think so yeah okay that's why i felt like i heard his name recently because i'm looking forward to that short because ethan hawk is my favorite actor yeah parallel mothers was his most recent feature film that came out and it was well acclaimed in 2021 yeah because you you steered me away from that you said yeah i shouldn't go ahead and watch it i felt it was very unfocused and i think part of that is Almodovar's style he kind of seems a little bit all over the place with his narratives but i that was something i actually appreciated in this film uh, I felt like it felt more realistic, and while it was kind of a little bit all over the place, it still kind of followed the themes of uh, maternal instincts and and care and change that that we saw in this film. Yes, and I heard that from my from my reading, this was more this was kind of his first dramatic turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his films prior have been a little bit more like campy from what i've heard yeah i read i read the same word maybe we read the same article what did you think about this movie technically though i thought that this film was well done there's some interesting camera moves and choices here that i enjoyed and also the colors we talked about read extensively in in the mood for love but that's also really present here there's a lot of reds yellows and warm colors in this film and it kind of works for this kind of warm feeling of family that you get throughout the film. I think red too can also just be the symbolism of God dang too many eternity words went through my head just now. I was like fertility, fraternity, eternity, <laughs> maternity, maternity. Yes. Yeah. I, I've, I think that was like a lot of the, the symbolism here and that red, yeah, that red, that red is really sharp in this film, and it, it's, it makes out for a gorgeous film. I didn't realize this was 1999, because mm-hmm. this movie, it feels like, I mean, the color palette just reminds me a lot of the 60s and 70s alone. Oh, you thought it was older than 1999? Yeah, I thought it was a lot older than 1999. Okay, that's interesting. Did you feel that was more modern? Uh, yeah, I think partially because of the subject matter that this explores. Pedro Almodovar 
talks a lot about sexuality and gender dynamics and it's something that's present in a lot of his films and so a lot of the conversations felt very modern or more modern than when it was released which we'll talk about that yeah i think a lot of the themes were ahead of his time but they didn't feel they didn't feel as modern like i can tell like it's ahead of their time mm-hmm. but then again it could be could also be just i was thinking this was 60s until i was like hold up uh she's uh i was like Pen- penelope cruz isn't that isn't that old like this isn't the 60s this isn't the 70s <laughs> in general i really enjoyed how the characters of this film interacted with each other after our character goes to barcelona she does interact with a lot of women and the women in this film all seem to have a care for each other and they take care of each other and it really emphasizes like the maternal capabilities there even though our main character her son has died early in this film which isn't a spoiler because it's part of the plot summary if you look up anywhere (laughs) just saying (laughs) but because it's a interesting film because there's a lot of discussions on motherhood and what that is and you have a mother at the beginning of this film who you know she's no longer a mother and she has to deal with that and but even so that theme of motherhood still prevails one thing that disappointed me with this film is that never once did they scream out stella because they go (laughs) to multiple plays for a streetcar named desire and not once do we hear a spanish rendition of stella being screamed i know i was disappointed by that too Although was, I don't know, is that a thing just for the movie or is that actually in the play too? I don't know, but I feel like anything post-movie, you you have to do it. (laughs) True. True. Yeah, so this film uses a lot of references to other works uh, all about Eve. They reference, uh, there's a John Cassavetes film that is referenced in a certain scene. And and then A Streetcar Named Desire, of course, is probably the biggest reference in this film uh, because it's a play that reoccurs during the runtime here and uh, it's something that our lead character is intimately familiar with and identifies with and uh, while i've not i I don't remember a streetcar named desire well enough to really pull out the parallels here between that play slash film and this one um i did read somewhere that it was used as a reference to escape and the ability to escape certain situations in your life and stages of your life and to be able to move on from that um but i think that you know we might be have to do a little bit more and see if we can find something that really talks about the parallels there unless you were able to find much no no i wasn't just that you know streetcar named desire is about a woman being in a real bad situation much like a lot of the women in this movie was there anything else you wanted to talk about in our spoiler free section No. So as far as the influence that this film had, there was a stage adaptation of this film in 2007, and it was the first English language adaptation of any of Uma Darvler's works. Um, So that was that was kind of interesting. There's also a, a Gossip Girl episode that is titled All About My Brother that makes a title reference to the film. And I think there's a couple other episodes of television and such that make reference to that title. It's a pretty good title. And as far as the maternal themes here in this film, this is something that Pedro Almodovar goes back to time and time again. We already talked about parallel mothers, parallel mothers being one of them. 
Uh, there's Volver, Julieta, High Heels, Painting Glory. He has several films that go back to this theme. So I definitely think that this film was an influence on his his later works that deal with similar themes. So seeing how he got a lot of acclaim from this one, that must have kept him going. He's like, oh, you guys like that? Well, I like mm-hmm. making them, so let's just keep going. Yeah, and we already mentioned, too, that this marked a shift in his more serious tone with his films, films that are less campy and more serious. And that, I think, is is interesting to note because you can't really judge his filmography after this film without taking that into account. What were you able to find as far as the significance of this film? This was made during the last few months of his mother's life. And he, I mean, all his, all his movies are about motherhood. So you know that his mother, all mothers, really was his muse. So him making that this movie during that time, you know, a lot of his his passion went into went into this and a lot of his, his first hand emotions as well. Something about the significance is Pedro Modovar really started making films in 1979. And during this time when he really started making films was a time when Spain was really making the transition to democracy. And so something that he has noted is that they were living in an explosion of freedoms is what he said that they were able to experience at that time. And I think something that uh, was changing at that time was just, you know, people being able to live more of who they are and the nightlife changing and, and things that were changing in the society. And I think that he, particularly in his films, wanted to highlight that, to highlight these political changes as far as the identity and what they're able to experience. And I think you can definitely see that in this film. The depiction of transness, of being transgender and the transgender experience is this film. And it's something that's not really seen in films of this time. There's nuanced conversations here about authenticity. There's a great monologue in here delivered by a trans character about authenticity. There's discussions about transness versus drag queens and the differences there and highlights there. And in general, like his trans characters here are real people. They're not stereotypes necessarily. They're, I think on a surface level, you can see it as a bit of a stereotype because... Uh, there is some like sex work involved there, but he goes further into developing his characters and, and really making one character in particular the, not just a comic relief, but really a heart of the film. Now, he doesn't necessarily use trans actors in this film. Uh, also in Bad Education, which follows the trans character, is played by Gael Garcia Bernal, and he is not trans. So this is something that might seem dated compared to today's standards, where generally we like to see trans actors playing trans characters. But I do think that Amadovar does still try to give good depictions of these characters, and I think that in later films, something that you had mentioned, Brian, off this podcast is that I think he does try to use more queer actors as queer characters in later films. And I think, you know, even though he does not cast trans in this movie, the ones that he does have play play them, I think still do a respectful job. It's, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel exploitive at all. It doesn't feel yeah. like they're doing it for some extra emotional punches. Yes, correct. This film, I feel, is also significant just for its depiction of HIV and AIDS. 
there's sort of a acceptance in this film and tolerance and understanding that I don't think we had in films during this time. There is uh, something that the film does that I wasn't particularly a fan of that we'll talk about later in our spoiler discussions, but I do think this was a more open conversation about HIV and AIDS. I think we had other movies talk about AIDS in a respectful way, especially because this is coming from, I mean, if this was made like seven years earlier, it would have probably been one of the, not one of the templates, but just one of the, the better movies of the the new queer cinema, which we talked about on But I'm a Cheerleader. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any depictions like this. Um, in 1999, obviously, there's still quite a stigma there. I mean, there's still a stigma today that is getting better than what it was, but I, I thought that this was a, a more positive depiction, or at least it didn't treat it with kind of that shameful vibe that we get from other works. Aside from somebody's initial reaction to the news, but afterwards, they're like, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who would you go ahead and recommend this film to? This will be recommended to cinephiles. I think technically there's a lot for them to appreciate. I think the story, I don't think it really would hold up with the general audience as much. But I think there's a lot to look at in, in the, from the eyes of a cinephile. I actually think that this could appeal to a more general audience. Not Maybe not your typical who like blockbuster goers because, you know, there's there's some general audience that just likes a variety of movies. And then there's also the general audience that particularly only watches franchise and blockbusters. And I, I don't think I would appeal to them. But I think that the movie is accessible and it's it's engaging. But I think that there's more than just the cinematic aspects that, that people can enjoy and engage with. Yeah, you have your mainstream and then you have kind of your general audience who are like they love to watch movies and mm -hmm. they can appreciate a good movie. They may not always go out there to find like the best movie, but when you put it on for them, they're like, okay, I dig it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I get what you're saying, but unfortunately I, I would stay on the side of the cinephiles. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we get into our spoiler discussion? No, ma'am. Well, then I think it's go ahead time to open up that classified file. Let's go ahead and move on to this portion of our podcast where we'll be talking spoilers. So if you haven't watched this film yet, go watch it. It's I don't think it's too long, or at least it felt like it went by fairly fast. But once you're done, come by and listen to the rest of our podcast. We're going to be talking about spoilers, of course, but we're also going to be talking about if we think this film holds up and also our overall rating for this film. So let's kind of start at the beginning with our spoilers and talk about the death here of Esteban Manuela's son. And it was just this portion, I just kind of wanted to mention that we talked about camera work a little bit, but I didn't really go too much in depth. But one particular piece of camera work that is often mentioned for this film is there's a point of view shot here when her son gets hit by a car. And I liked this because it really put Manuela back into focus. This is a film about mothers, obviously. And so putting his death into her focus and we get to see her grief, I thought was an interesting choice. Yeah, this was the, the camera move I was talking about that I really liked. And I thought it was a good mm. technical feat. Yeah, I can see why so many people talk about it. Yeah. I do think this film for me did get more interesting after <laughs> his death. <laughs> Well, that's when I think that's really when the movie opens up. I don't think I had an mm -hmm. issue while he was around, especially because it was so quick and it was just a 
opening of the film was the uh, the exposition. So yeah, it definitely got interesting once he had passed, and especially just kind of like his passing led to some of those moments. His passing itself led into those moments of the film echoing or rehearsals being performed early in the film, kind of like a mm-hmm. m- like a more overt foreshadow. Yeah. So, you know, for those who have seen the films, um, and for me to explain that, with the with the car crash earlier in the film, like a couple scenes before, he almost got a hit by a car crossing the street, and then he gets ends up getting hit by a car. But she also, the mother, does these. I guess she's an actress or something. She does these these promo videos for organ donation, and then she finds herself in her real life talking about encountering a situation in which now she needs to make the decision of having her son's organs donated. And then, so I would, I would be curious to go back to the film and see those other situations be reflected. I I know you kind of see it with her husband as well. The husband and and father of Esteban, you see that reflected with Penelope Cruz's life as well. What did you think about the organ transplant career and did you find any particular significance in that when you were watching the film i want to say yes because i feel like you're about to tell me something and i want to seem like (laughs) smart and yeah i saw that too but um no but i could see like it no i no, i I can't say i saw anything significant outside of it just being reflected okay yeah no i mean i don't have a i have theories because first i wondered if it had something to do with uh the trans experience and this idea of authenticity having like these replacement organs i didn't know if i was trying to make a point there but then i also thought that in a way we kind of see this paralleled with manuela because at the end of the film she she has a new baby she has a new child also named esteban so there's kind of that transplant there between the new child and her own son um, but those were kind of the only things that I really thought about. But it was talked about so much in the beginning of his film that, like, I was curious about what his intentions were there as a director. And we even see a scene where she she follows the man who ends up getting, I believe, his heart, her son's heart, um, when he does his organ donation after he dies. And I thought that was was interesting. But I also, I guess I would be curious to, to hear a little bit more about the directorial intent there. But I was curious if you had uh, surmised anything, if you had, had any thoughts about the significance of that. No, no, I didn't. As far as the ending to this film, you kind of have a lot that happens, right? We finally get to meet Lola, who was the father of her son Esteban. Uh, Manuela here, from what we can gather, from what we can guess from the way she tells her own story, is that he or sh- he transitioned to a female during their marriage, but that wasn't really what caused their issues with their marriage. There were other issues with infidelity and uh, some controllingness here with their marriage that that caused them to drift apart. And so she did not tell Lola about Esteban until later in this film. And Lola's kind of a mysterious character throughout this film because we, we don't get to see it. And we learn that Lola also uh, got... Penelope Cruz's character pregnant as well 
Yeah, that was like to, to say to say exactly what had happened is a crazy combination of words. A nun had relations with a transgender person, got pregnant, and contracted AIDS. Mm-hmm. That's like that's one thing of melodrama. Like I felt like that could have happened in a telenovela. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it definitely does have some melodrama. But yeah, it, I, I do like how they play up Lola as this mysterious character. Like, it's very elusive. Like, it almost sounds like Lola somehow, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if she somehow was able to, um, and sorry if I messed up the pronouns, I don't know what their pronouns are, but if they, like, were somehow controlling the whole situation from the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> you did get that vibe. Now, one thing I didn't like about the ending was the magical cure that we see for the new Esteban, who is Penelope Cruz's character's son that Manuela adopts. And, you know, we have this idea that he contracted HIV from his mother, of course, but somehow he is cured. Is that not a thing that can happen? <laughs> well, because... Th- they contracted it because they were, you know, their their mother that was carrying them, bearing them, had AIDS. So he wouldn't have had, like, you know, the full... Did he even have AIDS or did he just have HIV? He had HIV. Because that was one of the, uh, one of the criticisms as far as how the depiction of HIV and AIDS was, was that there was this miraculous curve basically just through their love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I see the difference. So HIV can be like held off with medication, but AIDS is... It's not a cure, though. Yeah, it's not a cure. But other than that, I just think the ending felt rushed. I felt like I was really enjoying my time with these women. There's some great scenes where just women are interacting, and there's nothing really going on in this film. That's why, like, I was a little bit confused when you talked about, like, the drama, because for me, there are so many moments where there was just nothing going on. They're just interacting and talking. And that, I think, was, like, the strength of the film. But the ending just felt rushed to me. I don't know if it did for me, because honestly, at that point, I was just kind of, I was just kind of, I was already out of it a little bit. I did really like the, one of the ending scenes between Lola and Manuel. I really liked that scene. But yeah, now that now knowing that the HIV, no, now now properly knowing it and processing it in my head, that wasn't even needed. The child could have just been born mm-hmm. without it. Uh, yeah, I I don't understand what I I don't understand what they were trying to portray there. I don't either, and yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I I really don't know how I feel because I want to say I don't know how if it really ended all the themes because I thought that there was like so much being layered on rather than resolution so already that was kind of an issue for me beforehand so probably like the ending I was just like okay this is a problem for me that I've already identified I think that other characters got resolution I didn't like Manuela's resolution like we have one scene like what happens is we have one scene where she's complaining about how she needs to take the child because the grandparents are very paranoid about the HIV and just it's not a good environment. And then the next scene, she's coming back to Barcelona and she's like, never mind, he's cured. And now we're visiting his grandparents. <laughs> so it was like kind of an odd shift. And I feel like I would have liked to seen something else as far as her 
her being a mother to this child and i would have liked if we were being told that the grandparents have this issue of paranoia and then all of a sudden they're okay with it i would have liked to seen you know more of that build up i guess i don't know if that was something that we wanted i don't think i needed that as a plot point but if we're going to bring that up then then talk about it it wasn't me or was the cut to the funeral a bit abrupt it felt like a scene it, that I've seen it, in comedy before where the person's like, everything's going to be A-okay. And then you get the scene transition and it's like, funeral. Dun, 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 dun. I did not get the comedy vibe at all, but I do think that it was a little abrupt, yes. No, no, no. Like, not as much as it was played as a comedy, but it just felt like, of, of how abrupt it was, that's how it felt like how it plays in those comedy shows. It's like that, like the scene transition without the funny. I was just like, oh, snap, crap, she's dead. Yeah, but I think that's also, I think it went along with the style, with Pedro Amadillo's style. Mm, I don't know. I felt like before then, his scene transitions, like there was a lot of fade in, fade out. And I felt that was kind of a, a lower, I mean, not lower, a slower strand, strain between it. Well, I think we see a lot of like time skips throughout this film. And they're usually pretty small, but I feel like it, it worked for me. But that, I don't even think that one got a time skip. Maybe that's what threw me off is that there wasn't a time skip. It was just that scene, and she's like, ah, life is going to be great. Funeral. I, I don't know. That's not how I took it. Yeah, it, it was just something that threw me off. Other than that, I mean, is, is the, the story flow is, is good. Yeah, and like I said, I, I, my favorite parts is just the interactions between our characters. There's one scene in particular where we're just at the apartment talking just these four women and that, I think, was probably my favorite part of the film. I I had mixed feelings about that. In, in one way, I did like the interaction between them all, but then there was like a part that just felt like it was kind of... It, it felt like watching a, a stage play in the way that they were laughing, but I did enjoy... I would say I enjoyed most of it. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about in our spoiler review? Uh, one second. Let me check my notes. I think okay. I did have something. No. Okay. So do you think that this film holds up? I think it does. With I, I think the main thing that you're looking at with this film as far as it holding up is the themes and its treatment of uh, queer characters. And I think it's mm-hmm. something that is, is way ahead of its time. So it's just going to remain timeless. You know, other than that, it's not, they're not actually played by trans characters. So you got to give a little mm-hmm. bit of leeway to it. But other than that, I think, yeah, it, it's good. And I think the colors just look so amazing that you can tell that this was made during a different time. But at the same time, it it, it still feels like a piece of art that's just going to remain, again, timeless. Yeah, it looks beautiful. And I, I definitely think that visually it holds up. And then as far as the subject matter, like this is a film that, you know, in a way kind of tries to change your expectations on what a family can look like and the nuances of queer family and, and those experiences there and just what womanhood means and what motherhood means. And I really liked that. And I do think that it definitely holds up. So what would you give this film for its overall rating, Brian? I really don't want to say. Cause I feel like I just been like slowly, like, like you're just kind of reading, like, don't kill, don't kill. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But man, it's something I really got away. Like, this movie is technically fantastic. The story, I think there's a lot of good moments, a lot of good emotional moments that are done really well, especially when it comes to the dialogue, but a lot of it fell off for me. 
and think if I was the way that all it would come out to a B minus, a B minus or a C plus. Ooh, C plus. Uh, I would say though. a B minus. Okay. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know why C plus and a B minus, like that gap just seems so huge. <laughs> it, it does. And it's hard. Like, I don't feel right putting this movie in a C plus because of like, even if I'm I'm not a fan of the story, I, I said earlier that I like the flow of it. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate the writing in here. And again, that's is written and directed by the same person. So, yeah, I, I would keep this in the B territory, but I'll keep it low B, B minus. Mm hmm. Like I said, I was very engaged with this film and I enjoyed the characters, but I did have an issue mainly with the ending and how it was rushed. And the beginning portion, when I first watched it, it was a little bit slower for me. So I'll give this an A-. minus. Okay, not too bad. Just one whole letter grade off. Though you're probably thinking right now, well, you see that everybody? Bryant hates his mother. <laughs> So that about covers our debrief for All About My Mother. Brian, what are we watching next week? For our next assignment, we're going to pick it up once again in celebration of this month's Asian American and Pacific Islander Month. And our next title is actually going to be an Indian film, a popular Bollywood film. And the title does not have a English translation, so I'm going to attempt my best, okay? I'm just trying here, all right? Diwale... Dohanye le jange. Okay? I, I think that's right. Dowale Dohanye le jange. Alright, it's from 1995. It's also known as DDLJ and it's common spelling as well. Or you can just use the abbreviation. Up to you. But it is going to be a fun episode as always. And hopefully by that time, my pronunciation is even better. While you're waiting for that next. Hey, hey, you over there. I see you behind those bushes. Get back over here. All right. Don't click that end button. Yeah, first, you know, do the whole follow, subscribe to us. We have been doing more on our social media, so there is now more reason to follow us. And we've been posting up more of things that we've been talking about during the episode and maybe a couple things that we learn later on as the weeks progress and the movies become more relevant again. And Caitlin, where can they find us to find all that good information and to, you know, support us? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Op Silver Screen. On Facebook, we're going to be at Operation Silver Screen, but Twitter and Instagram, that's Op Silver Screen. You can also find me and Brian on our personal letterboxes if you want to see what else we're watching throughout the week. Maybe take a look at some of our reviews on films that we don't get a chance to talk about on here. You can find Brian at Swank Seal, that's capital S, capital S, and I'm at Coffee Spoon Kate, that's Coffee Spoon C A I T. Dang, I missed a chance to say, well, that's it for all about my, um, all about my mother. Now it's time for All About Us. <laughs> there you go. That would have been a good one. <laughs> Till next time, we'll be in HQ. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. See you.